Our first uh, scripture reading of the morning is from the Old Testament, a very short passage from Exodus chapter 15, uh, verses 19 through 21. Let me set the scene just a little bit for you, give it to you in context. So uh, Pharaoh, after having all of those plagues come upon he and the people of of Egypt from God uh, decides to let the people of Israel go. And so they are released and then he has a change of heart and then starts this pursuit as he is uh, trying to recapture the people of Israel and they find themselves with their backs against the wall or in this case, their backs to the Red Sea. And as you know, God instructs Moses to lift up his staff and God parts the waters of the Red Sea so that the people of Israel may pass safely uh, over it and through it. And that is where our story uh, picks up. So Exodus chapter 15, verses 19 through 21. When the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his chariot drivers went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second uh, scripture reading is from the New Testament. It comes to us from Matthew's Gospel. Again, a very short passage that I'll uh, try to explain a little bit better in the course of the message. It's Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 19. Uh, Jesus here is speaking. And he says, But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another, we played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds." Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this morning, I'm going to kick up my heels and tiptoe outside my comfort zone to talk about a subject matter of which I am very unfamiliar and extremely uncomfortable. Dancing. <laughs> I was uh, raised in a church that believed that dancing was a sin, and so I never had a chance to apply myself to this task and get better at it until I was in junior high. And you know how that is. You just sort of shuffle your feet around at these uh, dances that take place in the gymnasium. Later on, I went to Gordon College which did not allow dancing on campus. And it wasn't that dancing itself was so bad, it's what it could lead to. Drinking, drugs, sexual immorality, becoming a Presbyterian. 
So, to the question, should Christians be allowed to dance? The answer is, some should and some shouldn't. <laughs> when I slow dance, I injure my dance partner. When I fast dance, I injure myself. I can't do the Macarena or the electric slide. And yes, the hokey pokey and the chicken dance are not a pretty sight either. I am a lot like Elaine when she tried to dance one time on an episode of Seinfeld. If you don't remember, take a look. All right, who's dancing? Come on, who's dancing? You want me, you want me to get it started? I'll get it started. <laughs> Body dry heave, sit the Did she do the little kicks and the thumbs? What, you mean you know about this? Sometime. It was about five years ago. <laughs> I never knew what to say to her about it. One of those problems I hope would just go away. Well, sometimes you can't help these people till they hit rock bottom. And by then, you've lost interest. You've lost respect for me. That's me in all my glory. Well, believe it or not, the Bible in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says there is a time to dance. In the Bible, dancing was a part of life. Uh, the people of Israel did a victory dance after their narrow escape through the Red Sea. I read that earlier. After successfully bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, the Bible says David danced before the Lord. The psalmist says, let us praise his name in the dance. But perhaps most exciting is that on our scripture reading this morning, Jesus presents himself as the Lord of the dance. Jesus came to this earth to invite us to join him in a Middle Eastern dance or in the South, what they might call an old-fashioned hoedown. Now, during the great festivals of the Bible, men and women would dance in the temple courtyards, singing and leaping and laughing while carrying their lighted torches. Well, this morning, I would like you to envision the Lord of the dance. So envision with me a big bearded Zorba the Greek who's in the center of the circle and he's got his arms extended. And he's dancing and leaping and laughing while orchestrating the music leading us all in the dance as we are holding hands around him with him at, in the center of the circle. I believe that this is how God created us to be, in harmony with each other, facing toward him at the center of life. But as we prayed earlier in our prayer of confession, something went wrong with our dance. We, we broke from one another. We, we turned our back from the center and we wanted to be footloose and fancy free, and we didn't want any rhyme or reason to our dance steps. 
We actually believe that we did not need God leading us in our dance of life because of the perceived fun and freedom that would come if we were simply able to do it on our own. And so what happened was we danced to our own beat. We became out of step with God, who created us to be in harmony with him. Sin broke into our world, fractured the dance, and shattered our lives. You can summarize the good news of the gospel in these terms. God came down to us in Jesus Christ to be with us as dancers. Jesus came to touch life here and to heal a person there. Why? So that we might begin dancing again. But as the hymn goes that we sang just a few minutes ago, I danced for the scribe and the Pharisee, but they would not dance and they wouldn't follow me. Jesus says in Matthew 11, we played the flute for you and you would not dance. We sang dirges, but you would not mourn. The we that Jesus is referring to is he and John the Baptist. To the Pharisees and the religious leaders of that day, John the Baptist was a screwball nutcase. All they saw when they saw him was this unshaven, unwashed, homeless man with a bad wardrobe and a really weird diet. He used to scream at people, repent! The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Prepare the way of the Lord. And they would say, he is a demon. Anybody know a good exorcist? And their sarcastic laughter would drown out John's somber song. But then along came Jesus, singing a different tune in a different style. And he raised even more eyebrows. Jesus was a trendsetter. Jesus was a, was a breath of fresh air. Jesus, dare I say it, was the Gene Kelly of the Bible. You might remember that famous scene from the 1952 movie, Singing in the Rain. Gene Kelly is joyously splashing through the puddles and he's spinning his umbrella with sheer delight. His love for Debbie Reynolds rendering him oblivious to this torrential downpour. Well, Gene Kelly is credited with introducing a new dance style to movie musicals. He said one time, if they wanted someone to play Prince Charming or to wear evening clothes, they got Fred Astaire. I, I was the blue collar dancer, the guy with the white socks. I was a child of the depression who danced in a way that would represent the common man. Fred, Fred danced in tails, but I took off my coat, rolled up my sleeves, and danced in sweatshirt and jeans. Well, the Pharisees would not dance for Jesus Christ, the Lord of the dance, the one who came to represent the common man. They said instead, he's a party animal, or, or he's making a mockery of the law, or he's not spiritual enough. And so we can begin to see why Jesus is a little bit frustrated. Condemned if you do, condemned if you don't. And then there was that day when Jesus was surrounded by the scribes and Pharisees and they had their legal guns aimed at him trying to play him off against John the Baptist. And so what Jesus does in that situation is he draws from a slice of life of kids playing in the streets arguing over their games. He said, do you want to know what God is like? God is like a child trying to get his friends to join the game. 
He says, let's dance and play weddings. And the playmates say, oh, that's dumb. He says, okay, well, then I'll sing a sad song and we'll play funerals for a while. And they say, nah, don't want to do that either. And so Jesus says, well, then what do you want from me? I sing you every song I know, and all you do is just sit there like a bump on a log. Apparently, there's no pleasing the people. It doesn't matter what the tune or what the song. It doesn't matter if it's the grave notes of John the Baptist or the grace notes of Jesus. They will not join the Lord of the dance. We probably all know party poopers like that. We all know people who we will invite to church and they'll say things, oh, I don't think so. You, you Presbyterians, you're too stuffy. Well, it reminds me of the story of a Sunday morning worship service in a Presbyterian church in which a man began to be moved by the Spirit. And in the middle of the sermon, the man stood up and shouted out loud, amen. And the people around him turned their heads and wondered what was going on. About a minute later, even louder, the man shouted, Hallelujah! And this time, people's heads were turning. There was murmurings going on in the pews. And then even louder, a couple of minutes later, he shouted, Praise Jesus! Well, just then, the ushers came down the aisle right to where the man was sitting, bent over and whispered to him, oh, Sir, you need to control yourself. And the man said, I can't help it! I got religion! To which the usher said, well, you didn't get it here. <laughs> well, if the, uh, the Presbyterians are too stuffy, and the Pentecostals are too scary, and the Baptists are too folksy, and this preacher over here is too dull and dry, and this one over here is too slick and superficial, it doesn't really matter what the tune or the song, they will not join the Lord of the dance. You see, deep down, the Pharisees felt as if it didn't really matter too much if you got up and danced. What mattered most is if you could recite the notes. When I was in college, as part of a physical education credit requirement, I had to take a dance class. And we had to learn all the oldies but goodies, the waltz, the Jitterbug, the Charleston, the Foxtrot, the Tango. We even learned hula dancing. I heard someone describe hula dancing as you put some grass on one hip, you put some grass on the other hip, and then you rotate the crops. <laughs> Let me tell you about that college dance class. That was by far the longest semester of my life. I was Mr. Two Left Feet. And the only way that I really passed that class was I had to commit those dance steps to memory. And so for the exam, I was able to put those dance steps down on paper, and I was able to diagram those dance steps. Unfortunately, knowing what is on the paper does not make you a dancer. And knowing what is in the Bible doesn't make you a Christian either. On paper, the Pharisees were flawless. They knew their Bible. They believed their Bible. 
The Pharisees could quote the law and prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah all day long. But they missed the whole point, which is the point that Jesus was making. Knowledge of God, apart from a personal decision to get up and follow him, does us absolutely no good at all. Instead, we are called to leap to our feet and follow in his steps as we go through the rhythms of life. One of the things that I've heard is that a lot of people, if they could ask Jesus one question, would be, who is the most pure, most spiritual, most faithful person in the whole world? And in our mind, we, are, we might already have a list of people, you know, it might be Billy Graham, or it might be Mother Teresa, or, or Desmond Tutu, or Pope Francis. But in other words, really, Jesus, who, who is serving you the best? Here's what I think. I think Jesus would say, I'm not going to tell you, because you've never heard of them. And then I think Jesus would say something that would really surprise us they wouldn't know it either because the best, most pure, most spiritual, most faithful people in the world don't even know that they are because that's not the point. The point is they're dancing. Our problem is when we dance, we keep looking at our feet. Well, friends, Jesus invites you to sway with the music. And he says, stop looking at your feet, enjoy and just dance. Enjoy the dance as we sing that glorious hymn, 250 years old. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Enjoy the dance as we sing its last verse and as I wrap up that sermon series today. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. But in order to dance that music and to those words, we've got to be able to get over our own self-consciousness. We've got to get on out on the dance floor. We've got to be able to give ourselves to the music and not worry so much about how we look. And friends, that is why we have the cross. On the cross, Jesus died for you and me. Think about that for just a moment. Jesus Christ thought that we were to die for. The Apostle Paul said that the love of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming and so overpowering it kills you. Our old self dies, and we are renewed and empowered by God's Spirit. And so, friends, as I kind of close things out, do me a favor. I want you to take a good look at the cross right behind me. And now... I defy you to walk out of here the same person as the one you were when you came in. Because when you were loved with that kind of love, it means that somebody was willing to pay the price for you. Indeed, it is a love that kills you. There's an old 1973 love song by Roberta Flack titled, Killing Me Softly strumming my pain with his fingers, singing my life with his words, killing me softly with his song, killing me softly with his song, telling my whole life with his words, killing me softly with his song. On the cross, 
Jesus was killing us softly with his song so that we would die, but then rise again to new life. As the Apostle Paul says so beautifully in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has died. New life, a new dance has begun. And that is the dance that you are all invited to this morning, the dance of new life in Jesus Christ. And so, won't you come? Won't you come and join the Lord of the dance? Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, you flung the stars across the heavens, and yet the dancing of your children brings a smile to your face. This morning, you invite us to the dance of your kingdom. Help us to dance in a way that honors you as we grow together with one another. We hear your heavenly music, and there is something inside of us that says, yes, Lord. And we leap to our feet, and we accept your invitation. And so now we accept your invitation to join our life with yours in a harmony of movement and a devotion of dance so that wherever you go, we will go, and wherever you lead, indeed, we will follow. Help us to see ourselves as less concerned with getting the steps exactly right as we are joyfully following you in word and deed. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen.